Hey, I'm Will, and this is Benj. We're both church planners trying to work out how to form churches in this post-pandemic world. I lead a church that's trying to grow big. And I lead a church that's trying to grow small. But we share an interest in the beautiful and diverse future of the church in Australia. What will it look like? How will it adapt and innovate and thrive? If you're asking these questions too, then join us as we host a range of conversations with diverse thinkers and practitioners around what comes next. Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast, brought to you by Gen 1K and our vision to see a thousand healthy churches in a generation. This episode is brought to you by Baptist Care, a leading non-profit Christian organization serving the aged and people living with disadvantage for over 75 years. Did you know that as well as providing residential aged care, Baptist Care's Hope Street sites create safe spaces for disadvantaged and distressed individuals facing issues such as domestic violence, homelessness, mental health, or addiction issues. If you want to make a difference in your community, then volunteering with Baptist Care is a great way to do that. You can join the team as a pastoral care volunteer or help serve at a Hope Street site or visit residents in aged care homes. On Forming Church, we're always talking about ways that church can connect with the neighbourhood. And volunteering with Baptist Care is a fantastic way to do that. To get involved or find out more, visit baptistcare.org.au. Benj Gould, how are you? Good, mate. How are you? I'm pretty good, mate. I'm uh, excited about recording some different episodes to see us out to the end of this season. What is happening from here? Yeah, so uh, we're going to have a few episodes that are crowdsourced and uh, instead of having a wonderful guest, we're just going to have a little chin wag between you and I. Which, we are the wonderful guests. Which, we are, yeah. uh, which you know, who knows where it could go. But um, what, what we've done is in our Facebook group, we have crowdsourced a bunch of different episodes and uh, it's, it's democracy here, majority rules. And we just did the top, the top couple that people wanted. And I got to say, during that, you know, putting the topics out to the Facebook group and then asking what people's questions were or what they wanted to explore, I did feel like there were probably some smarter people in the group than you or I. <laughs> did you not? Did you not know that before <laughs> you did? That? I did. I probably did have my suspicions, yeah, yeah. but it's certainly been confirmed. But that's cool. And what we probably need to say, given that upfront, is that these episodes are conversations and hopefully conversation generators. Me and you are just going to have a chat through these ideas. Yeah, that's right. And we, then we, we always like to do the same. We always like to say question and response, not question and answer. And uh, particularly with this episode, I want to put a disclaimer out that probably we're going to, you know, this is not our expertise, um, but we're going to chat more about ideas than, um, than give wisdom necessarily. But ideas have their place. Hey, if some wisdom comes along the way, yeah. you know, take it. Use it. Yeah. We've talked before about the idea of a trusted voice. Maybe, Benj, you and I are trustworthy voices, but I'll let, I'll let the listener decide. Yeah. So what is our first crowdsourced topic? Well, we're going to be talking about community engagement, uh, which is actually, I, I prefer the word neighbourhood engagement because community is a very broad nebulous. word. Nebulous word. But how do we engage as churches as followers of Jesus with our neighbourhoods in a, in a way that um, works towards the common good. That's about justice and renewal and restoration. Um, and I think that's such an important part of the way of Jesus. It's always been part of the way of Jesus. Mm. The church has historically led, um, you know, it's, it's out of 
the churches that have become hospitals and um, adoption and uh, women's rights. You know, all these things have, have emerged out of the church. Um, and I think there is so much uh, that our churches can offer to our neighbourhoods. Mm, beautiful. And it should be said that hopefully part of what these episodes attempt to do is give you some skills for imagining what these different topics could look like in a range of contexts. That's what we're always trying to do. So we're going to bring, I guess, a bit of our our context into the conversation. What does it look like to do uh, neighbourhood engagement as a simple church or as a neighbourhood growing into a regional church? Um, and wherever you're listening from, we hope that you have conversations and ask questions around what what is neighbourhood engagement, community engagement, whatever you want to call it, look like in your group or, you know, initiative, church, whatever. Absolutely. And and the thing is, you know, we're both church planters, so we are both leading very new and very young organisations that don't have the roots in the neighbourhood that probably mm. probably some people that are listening do have that have had churches as, as part of a neighbourhood for a long time. And so... Um, we come from that perspective, but transport it to wherever you are. Mm, that's true. I mean, I would say one thing I love about you, Benj, is that you have, um, and I think this come, has this come up in a number of Forming Church episodes, like the Tim Sorens one in particular, but like loving the neighbourhood, being formed by the neighbourhood, um, really being embedded and being a presence that both receives and contributes. I feel like you've modelled that and spoken about that quite a bit. People can go back and listen to more of your story if they haven't heard various episodes where you share about that, but I yeah. think that's a really good starting place. Oh, yeah, it's been a huge part of our story to to actually desire to become locals and become characters of the neighbourhood and, and to know people. And um, I think from that place you can begin to listen a bit more mm. and, and pastor in your own way. Beautiful. So how I think we'll do this is we're going to go through some of the comments that people chucked on Facebook we're going to use those to spark a bit of conversation. You might not read them all out in their entirety, but if you're not in the group or if you are in the group, you can get in there, join the group and um, go back and read because some great comments there and you might have thoughts you want to add even after these episodes come out. But uh, let's start with a comment from Craig Corkill around this topic. Shout out to our boy Craig. Love that guy. He said he'd be interested to hear a conversation around community engagement through a programs lens i.e let's discern where we collectively can engage with our community and develop a shared program that can address this or an equipping slash empowering individuals lens i.e let's equip, equip those in the church to engage with those in their sphere of influence so it's kind of a question of do we start or collaborate on new programs or do we empower individuals to go and participate where they feel called what are your initial responses or reactions to this bench yeah, I th well, I think it names an important tension that we have as churches and, and pastors and leaders. And I think um, Louise said something similar as well. She's like, she said, is there a need for community engagement to be a church-wide and led initiative, so that program-based? Um, and uh, when is community engagement best to be only equipping and encouraging, supporting people to sort of go into their fields and spheres? Mm. And, and she talks about... Um, you know, it's helpful that sometimes the, the power of serving and faith formation is it's it's actually in the serving that forms us with other followers of Jesus yeah. and, and creates belonging that we do something together. And so even from a formation lens, the you know, the program side of things is good, but yet we also should be sending people into their 
workplaces and homes and neighborhoods and streets. So it is a real, it's a tension. Mm. And um, I think that will always be a tension to be managed, not a problem to be solved, as Andy Stanley says. Thanks, um, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Uh, and and I, I, think, I think we need to, we need to view it like that because often these things like small church and big church can be pitted against each other a little mm. bit. It's not an either or and it's going to take wisdom and discernment in your context. There are certainly probably some that are just leaning heavily on the programs and I think part of the maybe the um, temptation of programs is that they're more measurable we can get the KPIs, we can feel that can validate us having a sense of achievement. You know, I think if we've tried to empower and equip individuals within our churches, we know that that can be a bit of a slower feedback loop. Is it working? Are people actually doing stuff? Yep. I have no idea. I mean, I have, I have some ideas, but it, it, it's harder to measure. Absolutely. So I think that's probably one kind of, I guess, danger to name. But what would you see as the reasons and the opportunities like in at their best, what does a program oriented approach to neighborhood engagement look like from where you sit? Yeah. Well, I think together we can do uh, bigger and more impactful things and we can do a part. Well, at least, at least bigger on a, on a scale. Um, I, I have no doubt that, you know, some of the acts of people serving the kingdom in their workplace Mm. or in their vocation, or in their parenting, or with their neighbours, you know, is a huge thing in the kingdom. Sometimes small things can be really large in, in kingdom world. For sure. Um, but there is a, a power to be leveraged to our communal effort and our communal approach to to um, changing and being part of the restoration of, of a neighbourhood. And so I, th- I think it is really important that we do have uh, a a communal communal outworking, a communal out, uh, expression of our connection to the neighbourhood. Mm. Um, and so, and I think that can, it, it can help give the focus to a church as well. Um, often as we grow, we grow inward. We can become more about ourselves. It's really easy. It's easy for any mm. organisation. Um, but also as we grow, we become more complex as well. I, th- I know there was another comment in the, um, in the Facebook group around... Um, you know, those programs that maybe got started 20 years ago and the people that are passionate about it aren't there anymore, yet we still do it and we do all these things. I think Craig Rochelle talks about um, growth leads to complexity, but complexity kills growth. Mm. And so there's always that kind of wrestle of working out what are we doing and and why are we doing it and how is it working? And I think, you know, the KPIs and stuff are, are helpful in that in that sense, in that regard. Um, but it's, it's really important to always ask and, and come back, come back to the why, come back to, you know, why did we start this? Mm. And, and sometimes we do things because we want to feel helpful and that's maybe different to actually being helpful. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that's, there's always, there's those, there's lots of complexity there. Absolutely. I think, um, one thing that maybe Craig's question kind of touched on was, you know, um, I don't know if he meant this or not, but I guess both these questions bring to my mind already the difference between does the church just start and fully own a program or do we seek to collaborate with existing programs in the neighbourhood? I think this came up in a few questions. Mm. Um, So I don't know who to give credit to. But, you know, just the idea of um, do we always have to start the thing? And I think this is a big thing over the years that 
maybe many of us have have kind of wrestled with that sense that uh, one of the ways the church can be negatively perceived is having to always come in and replicate something that maybe somebody else was already doing a good job of. Totally. And it's just this, you know, like, okay, maybe there's already a um, play group happening in the, in the neighbourhood, in the community. You come along and do your branded version of it. Um, probably doing more harm than good in some senses. And I just want to, I don't want to slam everybody out there. But, yeah, what do you think about how to, in a genuine way, find and collaborate with the stuff that's already happening? Yeah, I mean... I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, but that takes time, you know, and it takes it takes listening. And I, I feel like as a church, you know, we're all over two years old now and we've been living, Mel and I have been living in the neighbourhood for three and a half, almost four years. Um, and I only just feel like we're starting to get a sense of, you know, what's going on and things are changing so quickly as well, but getting a sense of the people and, and, um, and the businesses and, you know, what are the needs in the area and what are the things that are kind of unseen? Um, and so I think so much of that needs to come from listening and, mm. and becoming a character of the neighborhood and um, being part of, of what we're doing. And I'm, I'm really convinced that, you know, for our church, we haven't even engaged in, the things that will bring most fruit and, and mo- most impact yet because we're still listening. And, you know, of mm-hmm. course we're, in, we're engaged um, and try to be involved and, and partner with organisations and, you know, trying to do stuff. We've just got a new building that we've, we're leased and renovating and that's going to become like a, a, a hub. It already is a hub for, for community spaces to, to rent and this kind of, you know, neighbourhood centre in Long Jetty. Uh, which I love and we're excited to sort of explore what that looks like more. But, um, yeah, I think it's we, – we, I think as a leader and, and particularly when other people are watching on, um, we, we want to rush into things because, again, I, I want to feel helpful. Mm. I want to feel significant. I want to feel like I'm making a difference. And all of those things are actually – you know, there's a pure part of those, but there's also a – a kind of egotistical part of that as well. What do you think? Yeah, I think one of the things that you're kind of naming there, maybe without meaning to, is that one, I think, mistake that we make as the church is to see the the neighbourhood or the community as other or as them and then we have our us, which can be me, the individual going in to fix a community or it can be us, the group going in, but actually to see ourselves as part of the fabric woven in within a place then we're not just going to offer a solution or to prop up our ego we're actually going in with a heightened sense of um the whole the place where i live is is a is an extension of um yeah i guess my family my community my well-being all these things and i want to love it i mean i think back to nigel coddle and his episode and his sense of sitting around with his friends and asking how can we create the kind of neighbourhood that people would love to live in because it's the neighbourhood we live in and we want to love to live in it. We yeah. want others to – and it's such a, such a different mindset to how do I get my brownie points up. Yes. And we've all done it. I confess that there's a part of me that, you know, goes how can my church tick the boxes of what a church is supposed to be? And I think a lot of this, I think what you're bringing up is interesting too because it's kind of – it just brings up a bit of a health check of the individual or of the church, what's our motive? 
What's yeah. the why? And maybe sometimes we run programs or we engage with the community because we feel rushed, pressured, like it's what we're supposed to do. And it is the fruit that we ought to see from a healthy community, but it's kind of like have you done the work of listening to a place, seeing yourself as healthily embedded within a place and interwoven within it and then responding to what the Holy Spirit is drawing out of that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so good. It makes me think of two, two ideas. The first one is that, you know, as a community you can't, you can't or as a person you can't give what you don't have. Mm. And so in, if, we, if we rush the process, you know, and, and we aren't uh, formed in a healthy way, then what we're offering to our community or our neighbours isn't actually that helpful. Um, and the other thing, I, there's a, I think it's a Mike Frost quote, I'm probably going to butcher it, but I, I think he talks about um, justice without relationship isn't justice. And sometimes we want to do our, this is what you were saying, we, we want to do our program, but we're actually not uh, relationally embedded. Um, I saw another quote that said, you know, um, it's not that, you know, middle class or, or upper middle class people hate the poor, it's just that we don't know the poor. It's the same thing with our neighbours, even if they're not poor, they might be richer than us, but, um, you know, we can come in with a, with a saviour complex. But I love that coming from that kind of posture that we are part of the fabric, part of the ecosystem mm. of what's going on in our, wherever we find ourselves. Um, yeah, I just think that's, that's really helpful. Yeah, I think, like, if, if your approach is humble, it's a lot harder to go wrong, right? Like, if you're genuinely humble then you have a posture to learn and you're open to adjusting your course and you're pretty loose about how tightly you hold your ideas, which might be great ideas, but, you know, so I think, I just think engaging in, in the neighbourhood or in the community or running programs or individual, like, you know, empowering individuals, we need to teach humility through the whole thing mm. because it should be a conversation and there should be, I guess, part of that is whether it's, whether it's empowering individuals or running programs, how do you build in regular space for good reflection mm. and for asking, is what we're doing aligned with the why we started it? Mm. Is it actually helpful? Um, is there something else that's already happening that maybe we've accidentally cloned or replicated? Um, yeah, I just think, you know, a good program or a good individual approach here will have inbuilt rhythms of yeah. reflection and questioning. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Todd, Todd Davis, Toddy D says, I feel that many of our churches have a scattergun approach to community engagement. We can easily end up with a whole bunch of disconnected ministries and programs and everyone rowing in different directions. Perhaps a helpful conversation would be around how we identify, identify those one or two community engagement avenues that genuinely meet a need in our community. What's something unique and valuable that your church can offer your community? How do we listen out for those needs? How do we add value rather than just do what others are already doing? So it's that, that same sort of mm. thing. But what, what do you think about that kind of scattergun approach as opposed to picking a thing that we're going to do or one or two things? Yeah, I think Toddy D has nailed it on the, on the head there. I mean, uh, there's a certain... Um, burger restaurant in Australia, which I do love, but they have a jar system. You may know what I'm talking about. Where you go and you get your burger and then you put your, your jar in one of their three monthly, you know, um, charities that they're supporting. It's a Neighbourhood Matters program or something. 
Now, this is great marketing for them. And it, it, I don't want to just fully bag it as a total cynic. But what happens is that over the course of a year, they might support 150 different causes in a very small way that may look awesome for the organization, but for the different things they've done, it's like it's massively scattergun and it's not necessarily that meaningful. So we could call this the certain burger shop approach, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. Um, and, and I think this is, a, this is a question that is very real for me because I do feel like, again, coming back to that listening, even in our simple church, we want to we be engaged with works of, of justice and good news. We want to be outwardly focused but it can be very easy. You know, one thing I find these days is like every single day of the year is a different day for something now. Mm. There's, you know, different days for every single cause under the sun and many of them are really wonderful. Um, there's different weeks, you know, NADOC week, Reconciliation Week, Harmony Day, Are You Okay Day, Mental mm. Health Awareness Days, you know, Men's Mental Health Week. They're all wonderful but you, the list goes on, right? There's like a trillion of them. And the question of how do we find the ones that we feel really called to do that long-term journey with is, a, is an important question but a, not a simple one. One of the things I like about the way Todd has phrased the question is he said, what's something unique and valuable that your church can offer? And so it's partly about what actually, what's part of your DNA? Where's your strength? Where's your heart? And how can you develop that and make that the point of... Because if you... I remember John Owen legend a couple of years ago said something around the need doesn't constitute the call. Mm. You might be somewhere that has a serious need, but just because that need exists doesn't mean you are the right person to meet it. So what is the call for your church? Do you have a clear idea of why you exist rather than just trying to match up any sense of there's a need, we could meet it? Yeah, I, I think that's really hard though, right? Because in essence, what you're doing is saying no to needs. Mm. You're saying, no, I'm not going to do anything about that, which is, feels, it feels wrong. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, may, maybe that's a healthy part of maturity and wisdom is saying yes to the right things and no to the other things. But it, it sort of makes me think of, you know, on social media, in on the world stage, you know, there's, there's always an event, a crisis, a uh, a thing that people are looking to leaders or organisations to speak out about. And if you don't speak out about it, then, you know, you are you are complicit in it. Mm. Or on the other side, you're virtue signalling. You know, you're just, you're just yeah. doing it just to, for, for marketing. It's a minefield. It is a minefield. And, and I acknowledge, and uh, like, we, we're on the privileged side of that minefield. I always want to be conscious of that. I know that there's, like... I, I, like our conversation with Brooke Prentice was sort of like, well, some of these ideas, you get the option of engaging or not. But for me, I don't like, I just don't have a choice but living within this injustice. So like, I want to acknowledge that. Totally. But definitely it's very tricky to know where do I speak? Where do I listen? When do I say something? When do I shut up? Like, yeah, it's complex. Yeah. And I, I think like you said, that comes back to knowing who I am, knowing who we are, knowing our DNA, knowing, you know, what God's gifted us with, our, you know, the resource that we have, the people that we have. And I think if you know who you are, and I mean that's a, a when do you ever really know who you are, but like that's a journey and a, and a day-by-day thing. But I, I guess it's from that place that it's easier to say, 
I I won't engage in that mm. and I will engage in this. You know, another thing it makes me think of, I used to work on the concierge desk at Westfield. Oh, of course you did. And it's a pretty good job, to be honest, because a lot of the time, you know, people weren't, weren't there asking where certain shops were or where the bathrooms were and I just worked on my uni assignments at the time. Thanks, Westfield. <laughs> um, but uh, imagine if like, the, so the concierge desk is like the central place of information and knowledge, but it doesn't provide all the services. And imagine if maybe the posture of the church was we know where the services are in our community. Mm. We know where the best, you know, services for homeless people are. We know where the best um, counselling services are. We know where the best financial services are. And and as people come to us with those needs, we're going to be part of providing that concierge or that triage or that, you know, like that's like a level of community knowledge that means you don't have to do everything, but the mm. more you know what's out there, you can actually help people to get that need met even if you're not directly meeting it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a great idea. I love it. This episode is sponsored by Baptist Financial Services. Invest with purpose. Find out more at bfs.org.au. So with that, um, the scattergun approach and trying to work out maybe what are the what are the one or two things that you know you can engage in as a church community. This is talking about on the program level. Um, I think it's probably important for for us as leaders to define some parameters for ourselves because there is endless need, you know, and there is so many good things to be involved in. There's so many good organisations to partner with. There's so many. Um, good causes to align ourselves with and so many needs in our community that are seen and unseen. And so I think it's probably important to for for churches to develop a, a list of kind of guiding questions. Mm, that's good. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, it makes me think of we're both fans of the book Essentialism, Greg McEwen, and it's this idea that when you figure out what your essentials are, then you can be a little bit more you know, you run things through that filter, you run things through that framework and that's how you decide your yes or no. So even before we get to the program, it's like, well, for it to be something we consider, it needs to kind of meet these different criteria. I think that's really helpful. Do you have any, like at at Greenhouse, what are some of the parameters around how you engage in things? Yeah, so um, we we don't have anything kind of set out or well-defined or documented. We don't have much many things documented, to be honest. We're a church plant. I feel you. But, um, but uh, as, I was, as I was thinking, this is, this is kind of the way I generally approach things. Um, number one, like what is our, our parish? Like what is our neighbourhood? Like how do we define that? How do we define our, our local community? Um, David Brooks talks about that the, the neighbourhood is a unit of change. Um, it comes from that idea that, you know, that the best way to change the world is to change your country. Mm. The best way to change your country is to change your city. The best way to change your city is your neighbourhood. And to take it a step further, the best way to change your neighbourhood is to love your neighbour. Um, and so I think it's like the, 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 our, our country, our world, our culture is actually changed so much at a neighbourhood level. And I think, you know, COVID has... has expose this as well that there is kind of this online world that kind of connects you know globally what's going on but it's also made the 
the local really important because mm. we can't leave 10 kilometers from our house, right? More yep. than ever, we're working at home and, um, you know, trying to support local business and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I think there is like this real importance in the neighborhood. Tim Sorens is, is massive on this and you can go and listen to their episode that we had with him. But he, he defines our, our parish as the geographic area that is large enough to live, work and play in, but small enough for you to become a character in. Mm. Um, Love it. And so I think that, I mean, I think that's, that's obvious. It's a very intuitive question. Yeah. But I think it's important for us just to define, like, what is the actual geographical boundary of, of our neighbourhood? And I think, I mean, that automatically wipes out a whole bunch of great things that we could be involved in. So, you know, for, for Greenhouse, um, there, there is a, a ton of great things, initiatives on the Central Coast in our local government area that we could be a part of, that we choose not to be because it's not actually located in our neighbourhood. Mm. It's not, it's not uh, moving towards restoration of the neighbourhood that we live in. Love it. The, um, I guess the other question that I have, and, and uh, we can talk about this, but you know, what, what problem can we actually solve? Um, and I think it comes back again to like we just want to be helpful, so, we, so we, we want to feel helpful, so we just do a lot of things. But I reckon it's super powerful if we can define, actually, this is the thing that we're going, this is the need that we see in our community and we're going to go after this. And I think it's that by, by putting parameters up or putting, um, you know, guardrails around what we're doing, that's actually where innovation comes. You know, when you have boundary, mm. that's when you can start to, you know, work, 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 work some things out and, and that's where, like, the creativity comes from, I think. Yeah, and there's a you know part of that question: what problem can we solve? It, it's already asking a capacity question. It's asking: do we actually have what it takes to to make a difference here or to to impact in this area? Um, a perspective that has been helpful to me in recent years, you know, it, it is kind of this idea of asset-based or strengths-based community development, which people might have heard of. Um, if you haven't heard of it, you know, you can Google those terms and find a lot of good stuff. But the idea that traditionally, you know, we look for the deficit areas, we look for the things that we can fix, we look for the needs, and that can be okay. I'm not, you know, saying that's a bad thing, but it totally flips it when we look for like where are the strengths, where is the vibrancy, what is happening here in the positive that we can give more energy to, that we can help to build up. It's a little bit like, you know, there's lots of leadership stuff now that talks about you can work on your weaknesses or you can hone in on your strength and you're going to be able to get that strength so much more kind of through the roof than you'll ever be able to get your weaknesses. So I just encourage people, like, we often look at communities through a lens of, of lack and deficit and, you know, negative language, but every community, even one with some serious economic challenges or some serious... Um, you know, social kind of issues has beautiful things happening within it and has strengths that we can unlock. So just it's a different question. When you're asking as a church, as a group, even as an individual, where can I be a part of meeting a need? Just flip the question and ask, where is there something good happening that I could help to encourage, grow, build up, participate in? Totally, totally. And I think, and I think the answer to that question to my previous question, you know, what problem can we solve could be within a strength, you know, like, yeah. like I was, 
you know, thinking about the Olympics is on right now, the swimming, how much of coaching is focusing on little problems within a swimmer's strength, mm. right? Or, or, you know, whatever it is, it's like it's honing. It's blockage. Or yeah, it's a, that's right. Yeah, that's you're right. not fully unlocking that thing yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. Um, another question I think is a helpful one is who are we listening to? What, what voices are we hearing? What other organisations are we listening to our local council? Are we listening to our neighbours? Or are we just trying to think of something that, you know, could be good? I remember when we, mm-hmm. um, before we planted our church, actually, we, we wanted to sort of serve our community. And we had this great idea we're going to do. Um, we, found a, we found a need, which was uh, there's a lot of single occupancy homes, or there was at the time, it's changing now, in our neighbourhood mostly elderly people living on their own and so we thought man what a great way to serve these people by coming in and we could do like backyard blitzes on people's houses you know with elderly people that live at home and maybe can't you know mow the lawn or whatever um and we went to our local um neighborhood center and um uh, people working with the elderly and they put the word out and no one wanted it (laughs) which just goes to show is like you can think you found a need you can yep. think you've found a strategy, but if you haven't really listened to people, then it's not actually meeting a need or, or adding value to a community. Mm, that's a great point. And, and that idea of who you're listening to, um, communities are complex, man. And, and it's are you listening to the, the voices that are in, you know, political leadership in that area? Are you listening to people on the ground? Are you listening to people that live in government housing, people that are well off, are, you know, like are you getting a broad kind of spectrum um, of, of voices that kind of create that, that picture of a place? I recently got to have a chat to um, Damon Gamo who did the film 2040 and um, that sugar film and just an amazing dude. But he was talking, his whole area is around the environment and around, you know, trying to help us as we, as we think about engaging with our big environmental challenges but he talks about just like the the amazing level of nuance in a small local environmental area you know the number of microbes and the way that trees of different types can like talk to each other across you know I don't know how it's like a lot of the rings up in here but um, communities are like that they're yeah. incredibly nuanced and and sometimes the dynamics of how one person seeing things from their angle, then you come over here and you see it from a different angle and you work out kind of some of the different like little bits and pieces that are going on. You kind of need to paint a bigger picture, mm. um, which again takes work totally. and it's slow. And that could probably be like, that seems to be one of the themes that's emerging <laughs> from this is um, you can't rush it. Yeah. And that whole thing around like you can come in somewhere and set up shop and do something massive and it closes down in a year and probably has done more harm than good. Or you can go slow and you can be part of like a lasting legacy, cultural shaping, you know, force that is often less glorious in the moment mm. but, but builds up over time. Yeah, well, and the, I mean that goes to one of my other questions which is how can we experiment rather than, you know, launching a full-blown, you know, $100,000, you know, budget and, you know, needing a space and, you know, how can we experiment in a small way that sees if this is actually working is there is there traction um dan heath great um writer in the kind of business world he says you can't help a thousand people until you've worked out how to help one 
um, Andy Stanley says, um, oh, what's that quote? Um, uh, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Mm. And I think that starting small is really important. And it's important for the longevity of something you're going to do as well because you can put all this resource into something that, you know, the person that was leading it might leave in a year and yeah, it's, it's done. I think, look, I think we've had this in other conversations come up, but it's that idea of like we can have the model where we, we do like a complex sort of business plan and we take our time and we think about all these risk management bits and pieces and we pour heaps of time and energy into something and then we get to that point where we realise it's actually not what the people wanted or needed yeah. rather than what's the smallest little experiment we can do where we just see, is that giving us the feedback that this is something worth pursuing? So I know we've talked in a few episodes about things like the Lean Startup and Todd Todd Bolzinger had some good stuff on this. This episode's kind of just becoming like a go back and listen to all the other episodes (laughs) episode. Um, But I do think that's a great point. Like try the smallest version of it. And I am like a, you know, I'm a serial ideas guy who tells people we're going to start this new thing and it's going to go on forever and it's going to be huge it's going to have a massive impact so i'm learning the hard way to just go no how can i like rein it in yeah if it becomes that awesome but start small do it once see what happens yeah ask good questions same as you want to have the parameters at the beginning it's almost like you want what are your parameters for reflection what are the key questions they might be the same questions but yeah it's a great point it's a great point um, a few other questions that I just jotted down was who's going to lead it? I think that's really important because you need the right person and if you are going to have a longevity to anything, you need, you need good leadership. Um, and then the other question is, you know, who, who can we partner with? Mm. Who's already doing it? We've already talked about that, but who's already doing that thing in the neighbourhood? Where, where is the good already happening that we can just get on board with? We can funnel money, we can funnel volunteers and time and uh, whatever whatever else it is. Mm, love it. And I would just say to go back to like the initial, one of the initial tensions that we started this conversation with around do you equip individuals to go and find stuff that they can do or do you do stuff together? And I think my gut says that every church should be empowering individuals to go and do this wherever they are, to be living a missional life, to see themselves as sent ones as we've talked about before. I think everyone should be doing that. But I also think that there's something, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, that we need that formation of being able to do that stuff together. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we're running the same program together, but even if we are having the individualised approach, we create groups where we can reflect together on where each person is at and we create opportunities to actually see ourselves as part of something larger than ourselves. I think there's, you know, like we said at the beginning, room for both. But I think it's super important that even if we're leaning and my church as a simple church would lean more on the empower the individuals, but I've learned already that there still needs to be group spaces to be able to process, reflect on and, and see something bigger than your own, what you can do on your own. Like that's part of the inspiration that comes out of it, seeing something bigger than yourself. Yeah. And we, we've talked about an interesting idea on that same concept, but on a business level or a social enterprise level and, and churches? How, how do churches and, and businesses interact together mm. to be sent into the spaces that they are, to be a kingdom presence, to 
make money, you know, if that's a thing, or to be a social enterprise, but to do it for the good of the neighbourhood and share a common good. And it's, it's, it's that network model, right, of like sending people out mm. but having a network approach um, to sort of to, to feedback and have, have space for community and sharing of ideas and doing this thing together. And so, you know, we, we'd still love to, to try something like that where we start sure. some sort of network that helps incubate and start new businesses or new churches and works out how can we, again, in the ecosystem of our neighbourhood or our region or whatever it is, to work together, you know, share ideas, share, um, you know, thoughts or talks or, you know, encouragement, um, Mm, share tips, you know, all that sort of stuff to, to strengthen the fabric of a, of a community for the good of the community. Yeah. And I think that that's a really interesting approach to me as well. Yeah. I love that. The ecosystem and, and the like, you know, that just makes me think whatever you're doing and wherever you're doing it, look for the links. Like half of the time there are crazy links between the people, the programs, the neighbours, the businesses that most people just don't know they're there. And then when someone discovers that that person knows this person and this person's part of this thing and this thing's actually happening over here and often it's not about, you know, it's the whole work smarter, not harder. Like I wonder how much community engagement could just be about helping to identify and, and sort of strengthen good links yeah, it's really rather good. than making another new thing. Like so much of the stuff is already there. So how can you be somebody that helps to like just make little connections and yeah. I love it. I think we should, we should end there. It has been a good conversation, but I am very aware that there are much smarter people and, and um, sharper people in this area in our Facebook community. Um, so let's, let's continue the conversation. Let us know what you think. Let us know, you know, other ideas you have. We'll probably put another post in um, our Facebook group. But uh, continue the conversation there. If you're not part of the group, you can join. It's just called Forming Church. Is that what it's called? I think so. Something like that. Yeah. You'll find it. <laughs> You'll we find trust it if you. you search that. You're a smart person. Yeah. And uh, thank you to those that asked questions for this episode. The questions, sometimes the, the answers are in the questions. And they were some very good questions. (laughs) All right, y'all, we out.